What's going on, you morbidly monastic minor birds? Welcome to this week's episode of Total Pod Mode. My name is James, also known as Mr. Baines, and I'm joined, as always, by the wondrous Will, also known as Hoodafunk. Hey, guys, and hey, James. How's it going, buddy? Good to have you back. Yeah, good to have you back as well, man, for another week. Can't help but notice you still have all your fingers, which is a victory. <laughs> good thing, too, considering all your stories last week of uh, alternative therapies. Yeah, I mean, I thought I'd have gotten used to all the treatments by now. I've always heard in most cases you got to feel a little pain to see the benefits. But in this instance, it was pretty much all pain, no gain. Uh, I did manage to lose some weight, though. Right, right, right. Although I don't think you can count blood loss and having toes burnt off as a weight loss benefit of Donnie's therapy sessions. Well, actually, the blood loss isn't much of an issue. I've still got the old trusty blood bucket. What? That's been kicking around in the studio since last year. Well, I didn't see a use-by date on it, so it's got to be fine still. Dude, random buckets of blood don't usually come with a best-before date. Nah. Anyway, where is Donny? Are you keeping him outside as usual? Oh, shit, of course. I'll call him in. Come in, Donny! And remember, James. Yes, yes, he doesn't like being spoken to directly. On account of his face. On account of his horrific, mutilated, burned face. Exactly. Well, I've got to ask, man. Is it normal for Donnie to always stand there looking at you so menacingly? Doesn't it affect the mood of the torture? Sorry, I mean therapy sessions a little? Honestly, I've kind of gotten used to it. I actually find it kind of hard to tell if he's grimacing at me or if it's just the melted face. Eh, good point, good point. But I'm pretty sure he's staring daggers at you, man. Listen. I'd be lying if I didn't have my suspicions that Donny's a little angry at me for some unknown reason. Especially after this week's hydrotherapy session ended up with me just swimming in a pool of snakes. Whoa, I mean, that, that does explain the bite marks, but where, where would he even get all those snakes? I don't know. But I figured it's probably best to not ask any questions on account of... Him disliking being spoken to directly, yeah, yeah. On account of his train wreck of a face, exactly. No offence intended. Yeah, I mean, brave, he is standing right next to you. Either way, uh, I still think he seems weirdly angry at you. Uh, he hasn't offered me any therapy sessions, that's for sure. Well, it's not like you're offering to pay him. Well, apparently neither are you, based on what you said a couple of weeks ago. Either way, I'm convinced Donny has it out for you, for some reason or another. Although I will admit it's a little hard to confirm given that we can't speak to him. Why else would he be doing this all for free, I wonder? Listen, you might be right. But it's not like we can afford to lose the guy now. Yeah, I mean, Shaman Bro did send me a text the other day and he's still pissed about the fact you didn't give him the third hosting position. Okay, I guess we keep Donnie around. At least until spooky month is over. I'm just not sure you're going to last another week at this rate, dude. Don't mind me, I'll be fine. I'd rather lose a finger or two than have to deal with Shaman Bro's wrath, that's for sure. I suppose you're right. Anyways, now we're all here, I suppose it's time to crack on with the show. Yeah, let's get it. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. So man, hit me with it. What have you been playing this week? Well, actually, I'm pretty pleased to say that I've been very on brand for our Halloween special episodes this week. Uh, I'll start off by saying that I finally completed Resident Evil 4. It kind of feels like uh, it's actually been around a year, I want to say, since I got this. It might not be quite as long as that, but it definitely feels like it's been a, a long, long amount of time. Although it's, you know, looks to be deceiving. I've taken this length of time doing it. When I actually got to the final completion screen, my total playtime was like 20 hours. <laughs> You've been squirrel gaming it, though. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been kind of, yeah, pushing it through, not even kind of like a section, sometimes even just a few rooms at a time. Yeah, I remember when you were talking about the castle and stuff, you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done like these three rooms. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. They were particularly difficult rooms, I will say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially the one where you've got the two Garridors, which are the guys with the kind of longer than wolverine claws but similar kinds of things chasing you the blind guys yeah absolutely yeah 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 uh so that was a particularly difficult room and there was a lot of uh, difficult rooms ahead of me as well but i had a really good time playing through this 
So I'll start off uh, with the island section, and this was quite a memorable bit in the first game because this is one of the first times that you encounter an enemy with a Gatling gun. And also very interesting because it's just a completely different scene to what you've seen before. Yeah, yeah. And the enemies are completely different as well. Everything is kind of refreshed for this section, which is cool to see. You also now, instead of a Gatling gun guy, it kind of has a bit of a automated sentry turret section where you need to kind of sneak around pressing buttons on them to change their field of view so that you can sneak around them in different ways. You've kind of got to go between them, pressing the buttons so that they line up in a certain way so that you have a route to get through to the entrance. You know, it, again, it kind of follows the theme that Resident Evil 4 Remakes had all the way, which is doing the same, but they've switched it up enough that it feels completely fresh. And then obviously the improved mechanics of the game only go to enhance that gameplay. I'm getting a lot of use out of that knife parry mechanic and being able to yeah. kick enemies away. It still remains useful. Well, it's the one thing that you've sort of been consistently saying has been like the staple of your playstyle. You may have switched up your guns here and there, but the one thing you've consistently been using, that knife parry. So many of the enemies are, are hyper-aggressive or throwing projectiles at you. And Leon can even do things like parry your arrow out of the air as it's coming towards him and stuff That's like that cool. so yeah there's a lot of different ways that you can use this not just on the uh the zombies but as i mentioned last week on the more elite enemies and some of the bosses as well so yeah it's it really is kind of like quite embedded in the gameplay and i couldn't be happier with it i think it's absolutely badass so fighting the way through the island was really cool. Um, I'll get on and talk a little bit about the main kind of enemy of this island, the one that uh, people put a lot of emphasis on anyway when they talk about Resident Evil 4, both the original and the remake. I'm of course talking about the regenerators in the game. Is it similar sort of fare? You need to get x-ray vision to make it easier, but you could kill them in theory without? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you get a biometric scope, I think it's called. However, this time it's not something that can only be attached to the sniper rifle. Um... Now I say that, I'm actually, I'm wondering now whether in the original you could attach it to other weapons as well. I think I used it on my assault rifle. Oh really? Okay, okay. I, I can't remember, don't hold me to that. It might, no, actually no, I think it's because I had the sniper rifle that was kind of semi-auto, so I'm getting confused. Oh so yes. I think yeah, it was a yeah. sniper, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it may well have only been available for that. However, in this game, you can actually attach it to other weapons as well. That's cool, a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that the uh, attachments, some of them at least, can work between weapons gives it like a bit more of a kind of a yeah that kind of makes sense right if they've got a rack then you could stick things on it that fit on a rack i'm just thinking imagine if you could put it on a magnum or something that'd be dang <laughs> i feel like there's a lot more regenerators this time around well you did play in hard mode to be fair so that's true that may have also affected it as well i'm gonna go ahead and say now though that i think honestly that hard mode is normal mode and normal mode is easy mode and i think they have traditionally done that on resident evil anyway that's even further reinforced that by playing the Resident Evil 1 remake, and I played it on, I think it's called technically mountain climbing difficulty. I was expecting that to be worse in terms of the damage I was taking per grab from a zombie. I think that actually playing Resident Evil 4 remake on the normal mode would be too easy for someone who's played it before. Fair. But yeah, no, you're probably right in terms of the sense that it probably did increase the enemy count there. And... The other cool thing about these regenerators, you might remember one or two that you encounter that had needles coming out of them that would kind of shoot yeah. out of them and impale you as well. Porcupine boys, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, they make a reappearance as well in this game. However, they also have a kind of added uh, uh, difficulty there where sometimes it will look like a regular regenerator. You will kill it, get it down. It looks like it's dead and then it still comes back. Uh, this time it's a spiky boy with one more parasite usually on its head. Right. So uh, yeah, they even come back for like a second wind which would catch a lot of the players of the original game off guard it certainly did me the first time it happened anyway yeah it would have caught me off guard no i fucking killed you you dick yeah how come exactly. you're spiking on me now yeah exactly that and then as an added kind of bonus at the very end they die and then they shoot their kind of spikes everywhere like a porcupine just as a kind of like final martyrdom and uh, i'm pleased to say it didn't kill me but it did consistently get me even when i was stood way way back i was thinking there's no way this is gonna hit me the range on those things is incredible i think you actually need to kind of be around a corner or something to avoid it knife parry baby sometimes my genius is it's almost frightening. Hey, that would be a really, really interesting thing to try. I'd love to know whether that worked. If you can parry an arrow out the air, you can parry a spike out the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'd have to give that a go. But I like that idea. I like your thinking. So moving on, uh, the next kind of notable thing that happens on the island is you have your final full encounter with Krauser. Krauser 2. We're talking similar sort of arena setup, similar sort of fight. Bullshit. 
bit where he can block everything even though you're quicker than him that sort of deal is that yeah that's right guns are pretty much next to useless in this arena it is very much like that initial cutscene when you fought him in the darkened room it was kind of like a bit of a warm-up to yo this is coming watch out for this you are gonna have to be parrying evading on the regular but he also very similar to his form in the original one also has uh, ranged attacks that he can do he'll hide away and shoot you with a, an smg he also has an explosive crossbow and if you're good enough you can actually shoot the explosive tip while he's drawn the arrow back and you'll blow him up and do a bit of damage which is always satisfying nice shouts to the evil within so ultimately the knack of this boss fight is just to kind of try and shoot krauser whenever he pulls out the bow to ignore him whenever he's using his smg from range and as much as you can to draw him down into the battle arena so you can resume your kind of knife fight and dodging and stuff like that and just to be perfectly clear is this kind of the replacement for krauser 2 phase 1 if you like where he's gunning at you while you're running around trying to open doors and shit, or is this actually the part where you're actually fighting him when he sort of becomes a bit more monstrous so uh this actually kind of encapsulates both of those it's totally gotten rid of the annoying open doors bit in the middle of a boss fight and it's just very much a, a fairly clean boss fight there is a section that you need to run through where he's shooting you with the smg but i also found hiding behind the pillars was equally effective and it can actually frustrate him and draw him down to you quicker so there's a few different ways you can do this boss fight but they have shortened it in that sense. Um, I think after enough knife parries, uh, I was starting to get low on health, so I resorted to, I just popped one magnum shot in his face, and that immediately <laughs> sent him into phase two. And at that point, uh, when he hits phase two, he's, you know, very similar to his other form. You're fighting him in that kind of more enclosed space in a smaller arena, uh, and I think that the challenge here is that he can actually kick you and knock you off of the platform and then stamp on your fingers, very akin to the uh, the boss fights in Metal Gear 1 at the end with Liquid Snake standing on top of the Metal Gear. You're kind of on top of a high tower, falling off means death, and uh, if he does manage to knock you off, he's very quick to follow up with a little finger stamp. I think you can resist it, but if you don't have much health left, it's kind of like an automatic death, so you do need to be careful about his attacks, because obviously, now that he's kind of decided to become a bit of a mutant with a large blood blade arm he suddenly becomes a lot more challenging to deal with and a lot quicker and has a few yeah, more attacks that. obviously as well <laughs> but what's nice to hear is it sounds like they haven't lost the essence of that fight because i thought it was one of the stronger boss fights admittedly it was one of the few i actually had to f***ing fight properly but i did think it was conceptually and just the way it was done I, I just think it was one of the stronger boss fights in that game i will say that the resident evil 4 boss fights are probably some of the better ones in the series but that's only because a lot of the Resident Evil boss fights, unless you're doing a knife-only run, they're just completely <laughs> brain-dead. All you do, you bring in your powerful weapons that you've got at that stage of the game, you bring in your healing items, and you just ammo dump into the boss until it's dead. Shouts to Dead Space as well, because that's kind of true for that. One thing I did notice that was actually quite notably different about the Krauser boss fight is that he doesn't have those kind of weird, out-of-place flying drones that shoot you as well. That's kind of a shame, but it's also good because I thought they were random as f and they made no sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was kind of my feeling as well. And and that's one thing that they've kind of ironed over uh, in this game quite a bit is the fact that there's just a lot of stuff that was in there for kooky stylistic choices, but it did seem a little bit out of place. But he does still have um, scattered mini sentry turrets around. They die to a single pistol shot, so they're not really much of anything. But there is a, a certain part in the game where he's leaving traps for you all over the place. You've got to watch out for bear traps on the floor, trip wires, as well as some of those sentry turrets around. So there is a couple phases to that Krauser boss fight where you kind of are doing different things and they do kind of set the scene well for the type of person that he is. Yeah, so even though they've got rid of the drones, they've still got little technical gadgets and things to keep you occupied. Exactly, yeah. Oh, I love my gadgets! So with Krauser dealt with, mate, that doesn't leave too much more before you get in towards the end of the game. Exactly. So at that point, my main challenge was the big boss, Sadler, who is controlling, or at least he refers to himself as the voice of the Last Plagueis. So this boss fight starts off very similar. He's kind of a spider life form with different eyes on his kneecaps. And he also has kind of like a big head that is enclosed with an eye as well. You've got to pop the eyes on his kneecaps uh, using your different weapons. And then you kind of go in and hit the main weak point on his head when it opens. And there's not a great deal to say about this boss fight, really. This was very similar to the original one, really. The arena was perhaps slightly bigger. It did take me probably, I want to say maybe the most tries out of all the bosses that I've fought in this game so far. But weirdly, I, I kind of, on my final run, I guess I did it really well. I hit the critical point enough times with a magnum before running out of ammo on it. And it was actually over quite quickly. Yeah, that's sometimes how it goes, right? You can be struggling on a boss for forever and it's just like, oh, sh I just did it really easily that time. Everything fell into place. 
And uh, before I knew it, Ada had dropped me my game-ending rocket launcher, and at that point you fire a shot, a cutscene takes over, and it's game complete. You uh, do have a, a short uh, getting on your jet ski with Ashley and riding through the caverns. That has been improved. You're not just kind of like going through one little tunnel now and avoiding various things. You've got all sorts of uh, things crashing down on you now. You're really kind of blasting out through caverns out of the island. Yeah, well, shout outs to that section of the game, considering I died to that more than I died to Sadler. So, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I one-banged Sadler because I was using my rocket launcher strat. But that I, that killed me like once or twice because I got caught by the waves. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> And then pretty much at that point, credits roll. Very pleased to have finally got to the end of that game. I really, really enjoyed it. And I do rate that highly amongst um, the kind of the mainline Resident Evil titles. It's hard to say how soon I would go back to it, but uh, I had a really great time while I was there. Yeah, well, congratulations on finally getting it done. I know that it was uh, on your list to complete for a long time. So congratulations. One off the list. But I don't know whether uh, I have much more to talk about Resident Evil this week. So I'll quickly get on to my last game uh, that I'll talk about, which is I've actually gone back to Call of Duty this week, James. Just in time to get it replaced for the new one that's coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I'm probably not going to rush out to get the Modern Warfare 3 uh, title. I think that I'm having a bit of a lull with FPSs at the moment. I think that I'm kind of going back into more RPGs and survival horrors and that sort of territory. More story-driven stuff as well. I mean, that's fair enough. You've been on the COD bandwagon most of the year. Yeah, I mean, up until recently, um, I've, I've been pretty heavy onto it. Certainly talked about it enough on the podcast anyway. Uh, so, you know, just for nostalgia's sake, if anything, <laughs> I'm bringing it back and also in light of the fact that it's got the haunting Halloween event. I was going to say, they normally pull out some... Uh, cool skins and things around this time of year so talk to us man what sort of stuff have they got well i won't go too crazy into it because a lot of it i haven't actually experienced for myself obviously i have like read a few articles about some of the new features but some of the things that i've experienced are they now have a soul collection system which works very similar to the trophy collection system that i mentioned on a podcast of yesteryear and you collect these souls, they finally get counted up at the end of the match, and you can use these as kind of like an in-game currency to buy additional Halloween-themed items in the game, whether that be loading screens, uh, weapon They're charms. selling loading screens now, God damn it! You can't buy loading screens specifically with real money, but okay. they are included in a pack. For instance, right, right, so yeah. they are technically selling a loading screen, but there's no emphasis on, hey, pay a fiver and get six loading screens. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't mind it being included as part of like a promotional pack that's fair enough but if they're selling the yeah, two dollar loading screens like come on now i think you can open up to six souls per multiplayer match as a maximum i think in a whole match of dmz it's quite a bit more it might be 12 or maybe 15 or maybe even more but to give you an idea of what these things cost i think a loading screen is probably going to cost you about 30 souls whereas some of the more expensive items in the game are going to cost you anywhere between 200 300 souls so it is a bit of a grind to get these things but also as you unlock more of the items you're working your way towards unlocking some operator skins they're kind of pumpkin themed so there's a lot of kind of bonus incentives to play the game but i think the more interesting thing which i should move on to now is what i've experienced in dmz so far okay so the changes in dmz all focus around the map al masra which is by far the largest multiplayer warzone map that they've included in the game and this time they've changed it it's now nighttime so everything's dark and there's various locations on the map that have been altered to be extra spooky which is Kind of a nice Halloween flavour to it. Yeah, nice touch. But the main thing that I really want to focus on is the fact they've added quite a few new bosses to this DMZ map. Uh, for instance, you've got the Butcher, which is actually a character from Diablo 4. From Diablo 1 as well. And Diablo 1 as well, right. Yeah. Okay, cool, yeah, consistent character. So you might be aware that there's a Diablo 4... Uh, it's an Activision Call of Duty crossover event going on. I think you can actually fight Lilith or you can be Lilith as an operator now. I didn't know that, but given Activision and Blizzard are the same company, it doesn't surprise me. So I'll just run into the bosses that I've encountered so far. The Butcher is an enemy in the game where you need to find a ritual stone in the game. And at that point, you need to activate, I think it's three or four different totems in that ritual you eventually make a pentagram uh and every time you create one line to the pentagram you spawn a whole load of zombies that come out of the ground nearby and they start attacking you so you've got to fight off the zombies all very diablo 4 so far i should mention this is in the middle of a war zone map so at any point you can just have another enemy squad roll up on you and actually try and stop your ritual and complete it themselves instead i was playing with the boys gem and liam shout out gem and liam Sub -boys. And, uh, we did 
actually managed to fend off at least two squads while we were completing that ritual. And we did manage to do this one first try, which is very satisfying. Once you've completed the pentagram, you open up a portal and then it goes into like a kind of a hellscape. It looks like you've walked through an oblivion portal. You're being attacked by various strong enemies as well as the butcher. It's even got a Diablo style health bar at the top of the screen with the free segments to it. So you can see his health go down. Nice. At which point I think I earned some sort of transmog thing. I got like a, a QR code to unlock a transmog back in Diablo 4. Okay. So there's a lot of cross-promotional items that you can be earning as well. Yeah, wonder if that's got anything to do with the fact they just released Diablo 4 on Steam. Would make sense. Yeah, I would imagine. So yeah, anything to kind of like keep it on people's minds, especially and re-advertise it if you've made it much more available all of a sudden. And the Butcher, for the most part, just drops a load of useful items in the game that you can use. Eventually, hell starts to get too hot and you need to escape back through the portal that was a pretty satisfying boss fight he did have a loss of health there were three of us trying to take him down i don't think any of us like struggled overly but there was still coordination needed and we were still having to run around and thin out the waves of zombies that are also attacking thinning out the hordes and then focusing fire on him for a bit and then letting the hordes build up and then thinning them out again but a very satisfying boss fight to do, and definitely something that felt very out of the realms of normal Call of Duty. And given that I kind of stopped playing it, because I guess, for want of a better word, I just got bored, this is a really nice thing to to come back in and see, actually. I, I'm sure there's people out there that are going to be complaining that this is way too wacky, and it's just like a, a marketing thing, but I'm kind of down for Call of Duty getting a little wild and wacky in its kind of later years, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I have a feeling that they'll kind of peel it back a little bit for Modern Warfare 3 for a while before doing the same thing again, you know? It's like kind of an ebb and flow type situation between military sim, Fortnite, military sim, Fortnite. Well, you say Fortnite, I was going to say, well, it probably makes sense because there's a big old Saints Row-shaped hole in the marketplace right now. I mean, honestly, I don't really see this as anything more than just a marketing thing. This is all just to promote Diablo, really. There's a lot of that going on in here. I don't really think that they thought about it much more than that, if I'm honest. <laughs> I'll just get on to quickly some of the other bosses because I've spent less time doing those, but I did encounter a swamp monster where you need to find a golden tiara, place it on a pedestal while you're being attacked by the swamp monster. That was pretty cool. It's a brand new enemy that's kind of jumping in and out of the water. If you spend too long in the water, it can actually engage you in an animation where it starts to swim around you like a shark and kind of attack your player. I got pinned during that, so my character model couldn't actually move. I was just being kind of attacked and I had to rely on the guys to come save me from the monster that was attacking me. I'm not sure what would have happened if it had carried on, but I assume I would have just been dead. Rhetorical question for Liam and Jem here. Are your backs hurting? Having to carry Will through that situation? <laughs> So the Swamp Monster was, uh, you know, I haven't actually fully completed that quest yet, but it was an interesting one. Once again, a new, diverse type of enemy in the game. Exactly, and something brand new, as you say, that's got to be exciting for a game that you've spent hundreds of hours in. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, next, I'll talk about the UFO, which is actually one of the most interesting environments in the game, because this one is out in the middle of the ocean. Okay. And what you'll notice is that there's a massive gravitational fluctuation that's emitting from some sort of orb in the sky which is creating like a massive crater in the ocean. It's forcing the ocean down and actually parting the waves. Oh, so it's making it all concave. Yeah, and it's, it's really cool to see. That was just a very neat thing that I noticed. Um, I didn't actually notice until I was standing inside it and I looked up and you can see the water flowing upwards and away from you. Oh, that's sweet. That sounds cool. And it's really cool to see in Call of Duty as well. I think that it's a really fun thing to do in the game and it got really interesting when we actually had enemies that were sitting on the lip of the water shooting into the reversed dome as we were standing on ground level which was actually i guess uh ocean bottom level yeah so we actually had players that were swimming at the top of the brink shooting down at us and we were using things like floating cargo ships in the middle of there to use for cover there's these various spherical enemies that i think the game refers to as anomalies floating around and these things move around the ship they try and evade you and they shoot you with kind of laser blasts and after you've managed to shoot all of them i think there's about six you finally complete some sort of ritual and uh and, and that's that one completed again resulting in just a bunch of loot that you can get I won't really go too much into the other bosses in the game, but I will mention that there is a ghost train. So the train around Almazra has been revamped. It's now all bony and there's loads of traps on it and uh, lots of good loot, I imagine, on there to get. And uh, there's also a pharaoh boss as well, where you need to go around killing lit up zombies, collecting their souls and placing them in a, a sort of a sacrificial chamber, which completes another ritual as well, while you're being attacked by quite a difficult boss as well. So there's a whole bunch of new stuff in this to play around with and all of it very spooky themed. And all of it rituals. 
Nice. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, all some sort of demonic ritual or, or some such like. Very good. So I guess what we're saying is, Call of Duty fans, go check out this Halloween special event that's probably going to take place for the next couple of weeks, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. If you like goofy shit and you're Call of Duty, then this is definitely something worth checking out. And that's about me for this week, man. What about yourself? So this week's been one of those weeks. Unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of time to get too much in. Um, I did manage to get my 100% in Liza P. I did finish my New Game Plus run, got all the collectibles great game loved it not going to drone on about it though because i've spoken about it for probably the last two or three weeks yeah we're kind of getting to a bit of a call of duty situation <laughs> well no i'm done now though i got the 100 <laughs> percent. so uh, i i did nearly start again I, I enjoy that game that much but uh as i mentioned last week i had i had new things to move on to you did big and better maybe well no <laughs> <laughs> why am i not surprised <laughs> so i am of course talking about lords of the fallen here and Objectively, there's there's nothing wrong with the game, right? The issue is, is the exact same issue I had when I first played Lords of the Fallen 2014, which is that I, pl- I played that game straight after, like, Dark Souls 3, I think it was. Right, okay. So you've gone from kind of, like, peak FromSoft to imitation. Exactly, and Liza P is tight enough, in my opinion... It rivals peak FromSoft. I'm not going to go that far, because... As we've said, definitely off pod, possibly on pod before. FromSoft is just a different level. It's like FromSoft and then there's other games. And now what lies appear, in my opinion, is the one that's got closest to breaching that lexicon, right? But it's not quite there. It does have some issues that I've spoken about. But to go from Lies of P, just the tight combat, no input lag, like very, very responsive, very awesome, to Lords of the Fallen, which is fine, but it's just a bit slower, a bit more sloppy. So I played it for a bit and I was just like, man, I, I am not going to enjoy this game if I play it now. So I actually made the sort of hard but brave decision to say, no, f*** this, I'm actually going to leave this. So brave. Yeah, I know. What I know. a man. Such a, such a f***ing martyr. <laughs> and uh, I actually went out and uh, bought Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, damn. Oh, I'm genuinely jealous now because this one has been on my list for quite some time as well. How are you finding it? I can't talk too much about it because essentially I'm only out the tutorial area, right? Oh, I, I, okay. I really haven't played too much. So expect more to come on that in the coming weeks. What I will say is that I picked Baldur's Gate 3. It's been on my list for ages too. I picked it because it was completely different. Refresher. Yeah, it was going to completely refresh my gaming palette, get away from Souls-like, so that when I do go back to Lords of the Fallen, I'll come in with a clean slate and I can judge it on its own merits rather than comparing it to Lies of P straight away. Trick yourself into thinking that it's a good game, right, right. (laughs) <laughs> no that's that's mean I'm, I'm sure that lords of the fallen is a perfectly respectable game but i think that your point absolutely stands that you're comparing this to kind of almost peak in the genre yeah and the other thing i'll say that sort of illustrates that point perfectly is lies of p has had i think one patch since it came out which was over a month ago now lords of the fallen has been out a week probably just over a week by the time this releases and i think it's on patch six or seven already okay okay so that that gives you an idea of the sort of most of that is stuff i didn't see which is apparently people have had issues with it crashing and poor performance i've seen none of that it runs perfectly fine for me interestingly this time around the poor performance i heard was actually coming from the console side yeah i mean i've heard nothing about the consoles, so i can't speak to that but i have seen that a lot of the patch notes have been things like oh yeah we fixed this performance issue where this was stuttering and we had to make these 400 books have no collision so that your cpu didn't get fucked and all this stuff stuff again that really should have been picked up in q a but hey uh. yeah exactly but uh smaller studio give them a little bit of a chance but as i've said wouldn't have been fair for me to compare it so picked up Baldur's gate 3 so far loving it the character creation is a little bit less advanced than i was hoping for in the sense of you still have to pick between like eight faces but in a game like this I'm not as fast. There's enough hairstyles, there's enough different eye colour combinations and things like that. You can still make a unique character. So I, I kind of accept it. Don't even get me started on Lords of the Fallen's character creator. Fuck me, it's awful. Hang on, sorry, you're going to have to tell me what is the different ones. I don't know whether the viewers are aware, but these games have extremely similar titles. There's no Lords of the Fallen 1 and 2. What, what, what is it? Is it the? Is it just one has the? No, so so originally that was what it was going to be. It was The first one in 2014 is Lords of the Fallen, okay. and you don't create characters in that. You are Harkin. Like, yes, that's, just that's the right, one. yeah. And then it the new one was going to be called The Lords of the Fallen, but then they were <laughs> right. like, no, that doesn't fit our vision. We need to be called Lords of the Fallen and it's led to a very confusing time. Hang on, what? So they're both called Lords of the Fallen yeah. now? 
They're I'm both so confused. That hurts my brain. It's, it's, think of it like Dead Space, right? Dead Space original is Dead Space brackets 2008 now. Lords of the Fallen, the original is Lords of the Fallen brackets 2014. That would make sense if, if it was a remake. If it's re yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's still not perfect. But... Oh, that's so dumb. <laughs> Why not like Lords of the Fallen colon something? Colon like the darkness or whatever. I don't know. No, I, no, I agree. I completely agree. It could be called Lords of the Fallen colon lamp bearer and that would work perfectly fine. But yeah, no, I agree with that. So for the purposes of our listeners and for your sanity whenever i mention lords of the fallen outside of the time i said lords of the fallen 2014 <laughs> i'm referring to the, to the new one yeah yeah okay okay but i am actually going to stop talking about it there because the only thing i've really experienced is the shitty character creator and the first two bosses did you get to play around with the lamp at all i've seen some cool stuff with that when i watched a couple of streams uh yeah um it, it, it's a cool mechanic that isn't quite what I thought it was, basically. I thought you'd be able to go in and out of Umbral, the dark world, at will, and you can't. You can go in at will, but you can't come out at will. You have to find a certain thing to get out, which I didn't know about and is fine, but I think it would be better if you'd come in and out whenever you wanted. I know why they didn't let you do that, but that's what I was expecting, so I guess I was a bit disappointed there. And that's really my main gripe. It's just not as good as I thought it was going to be, but that's because mm. I'm comparing mm. it to Lies of P. Right. But I'll stop talking about Lords of the Fallen now because I haven't given it a fair shot yet. And I won't say any more about Baldur's Gate 3 at this point because I haven't played enough of it yet to give a fair rundown. But what I've seen so far is excellent. And I think the story is going to like unfold very nicely. And I think it's the type of game where they're not going to be in any sort of rush to tell you the story either. So it wouldn't even surprise me if you don't have a great deal to say next week because you're still very much getting into the throes of it. I suppose depending on how much time you actually have set aside to play it this time around. Yeah, and how many times I f***ing restart knowing me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you know what? In this kind of game, I would really recommend probably not doing that, sticking with your choices and then re-rolling the next time around. Oh, dude, I would 100% recommend that too. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm like, unfortunately. Now, I at least know what class I'm going to be. I'm going to be Evil Wizard on my first playthrough, even though I've read online that the Evil playthrough is not as satisfying and I'll miss out on a load of content. Don't care. Do Evil playthrough first. And if I like the game enough, I'll go back and do a good character. But that's where I'm going to leave it for this week, man. So with that, I think we'll uh, end the catch up for this week and move on to the gaming news. So with our first news story today, we've got some rumours about the Switch 2, potentially. Maybe. Ooh. Is it yes. on the horizon? Well, we're no. not sure because nothing's <laughs> officially been announced yet. So that's a no. <laughs> but let's get into the meat and bones of this story, right? So there's a new Switch 2 rumour doing the rounds, potentially revealing more details about the next iteration of the popular handheld console, which is allegedly due to release as early as 2024. These rumours focus mainly on the graphical capabilities of the new hardware, suggesting that the new Switch will have graphics on par with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. Which is great news if it's true, as the current hardware is seriously lagging behind its contemporaries, as we've mentioned quite a few times at this point on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it in effect quite a few times as well. It's evident at this point. So according to an article from GameRant, at Gamescom 2023, a small group of developers demoed the Switch 2 prototype and claimed the graphics were at the aforementioned level, which was achieved through the power of NVIDIA's DLSS upscaling technology. This claim is now being corroborated at least to some degree by a reliable YouTube leaker named Nate the Hate, who has covered Nintendo news in the past. So Nate claimed in his latest video that the new Switch system will support NVIDIA DLSS 3.5 AI-powered ray reconstruction for improved ray tracing at the same level as the PS5 and the Series X hardware. And while the level of detail allowed by this technology will vary game by game, ray reconstruction can be updated through online patches, ensuring that the Switch 2's ray tracing will improve further over time. But interestingly, Nate has also stated that the next Nintendo console won't support NVIDIA DLSS's frame generation, which can be used to boost frame rates by creating artificial frames between two existing ones at the cost of image quality. So it's really just going to be things like ray tracing, upscaling, just making it look sharper, making yeah. it more on par, but not quite with the same frame rates and things like that. Well, I mean, in the niche that Nintendo sits, none of that sounds like a huge deal. I mean, I feel like Nintendo is probably comfortably always going to be behind the, the current standard for Microsoft and Xbox consoles. I think that this is definitely welcome news, though, because the gap has become too wide now. Yeah, exactly. Which is fair enough, because the hardware's old at this point. Now, as I said at the top of the article, take all of this with a pinch of salt, right? Nate's claims are only rumours and speculation. Nintendo have remained incredibly tight-lipped about anything to do with the Switch 2 to this point. Of course. But as Will's just said there, it's exciting times if it's true. 
But for me, I'm hoping they just give the f***er more power as well, so that it can actually do more. Yeah, well, I mean, I would hope, and I'm sure by default, that there will be upgraded technology in there, well, at a base level, and they won't be relying solely on AI. Yeah, oh, you'd hope. What do you think, man? Uh, with the release of this console, would you be tempted to go out and pick one up for yourself? Given the amount that you play a, a Switch, I was wondering whether you'd find that it'd be worth the money. Because I imagine that this one will be significantly more expensive as well. I'm going to have to look at that when it comes up, because that will probably be a thing. If it's 500 pound i'm gonna have to seriously think about it <laughs> just buy a steam deck at that point <laughs> exactly but, no but the, the issue is there's only one place where you can play pokemon this is yeah this is you're, you're the cat that captive audience there <laughs> yeah so i mean and if you you know we'll get onto a bit of switch talk later with the challenge and stuff right but to get smash bros ultimate installed i had to go through what's on my switch and was like there's pokemon there's pokemon there's pokemon okay there's a zelda thing there that's pokemon there's, <laughs> like it is my pokemon console it's not yeah. a nintendo console for me yeah, so i probably yeah. will end up getting one if it's reasonably priced and I can afford it at the time. And also, you know, some other Nintendo games can, might come out and they're awesome. So who knows? How about you, man? Are you tempted at this point? No. So I think that I'm, I'm probably in that position where if it is going to be such a high price tag, then really... You might as well, uh, for me at least, get a uh, Steam Deck. There are quite a few Nintendo exclusives, though, that I do like to play. I do like the Zelda games. I do like the Mario games. So there's always going to be uh, a temptation to have the latest and greatest Nintendo console. If I do end up picking up the Switch 2, it will probably be in a similar fashion to how I got the Switch 1, which was waiting until it was several years after release uh, to the point where the, the price had dropped, I think, even twice at that point. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably do the same for the Switch 2. I think I'll hang about. Certainly won't be going out of my way to get one anytime soon. Yeah, I certainly won't be day one it. Even for a new Pokemon game, I'll probably still wait, you know what I mean? No matter how much Nintendo try and convince me that this thing is the rarest, most prized piece of technology on the planet <laughs> at the time of release, I don't think I'll cave. So with our second news article of the day, there's an NVIDIA leak that suggests some high-end graphic cards are in line for a refresh. So, sticking with the theme of leaks and rumours, a new NVIDIA leak suggests that a refresh is on the cards for three of their highest-powered graphics cards. Cards in question are all from the 40 series, which originally launched in October of 2022. Again, according to our good friends at GameRant, reliable hardware leaker Hongjing2020 is claiming NVIDIA may be introducing the SUPER refresh to at least three of its existing graphics cards, namely the GeForce RTX 4070, the RTX 4070 Ti, and the GeForce RTX 4080. The SUPER moniker has historically been used by NVIDIA to indicate mid-series updates for multiple SKUs. However, this would mark the first time NVIDIA has created a SUPER refresh for a TI card if the leak turns out to be true. Yeah, that was interesting to me. That was the only thing that stuck out there is that I've typically always seen the, the TI cards as, as kind of, if they don't have a SUPER uh, setting for it, then they go for the TI instead. So it's going to be interesting to see a combination of the TI and SUPER. Exactly, it promises to be potentially very powerful. And what is good about this is, and this might piss you off personally, because I know you recently got a 40 series, but um, when the Super ones comes out, it will mean that the original ones will drop in price quite considerably as well. So Yeah, yeah. Well, if, if previous markets, trends, or anything to go by, obviously we did have uh, Matey Boy, CEO of NVIDIA, being like, oh no, nothing's ever going to drop in price again, it's all set. Uh, which has already happened twice since then, uh, I believe. So quite cool if it makes prices drop. Now, again, I don't want to be calling the Jets for the second story in a row, but this is just a rumour at this stage. And whilst Hongjing 2020's recent leaks have proven reliable, they have been incorrect in the past. So... Again, pinch of salt. The rumour mill is running wild this week. It certainly is. And uh, again, similar with the Nintendo news, NVIDIA are yet to make any official announcements on the matter and there is no visibility currently on when these upgrades may roll out to market. So... I guess it's, again, a case of we'll wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I'm not um, too sort of worried about the, uh, the the market for graphics cards. I think I might have been more concerned if I bought one at the peak of the cost and then considering how much they've dropped off now and how much they're likely to when the Super Series does... Re I mean, sorry, excuse me, the Super <laughs> Series does uh, reduce for these graphics cards. Yeah, shout-outs to me for buying a graphics <laughs> card at the peak price. And the way that the graphics card market is now is they are constantly, you know, as we said, they only released the 40 series in October 22. When you got your PC, the 30 series was the latest and greatest. So they're just churning these things out now. I think that this kind of saltiness over getting a graphics card too early, I think that as well, the 40 series was actually criticized initially on release for not being as much of a gap between the 30 series as in previous iterations. For instance, the 20 series to the 30 series. So... 
Yeah. This almost feels like a bit of a rectification step a little bit where they're going to be boosting the power of these. And contrary to previous where the super has been like, okay, right, are you rendering 3D models? Do you need a, a kind of a, a graphic suite or something like that where you actually would make the most out of one of these cards? That's typically what the supers have been for. However, now this is kind of, it more feels like they're bringing them up to what they should have been initially. Well, the cynic in me reckons that you have a point there because they probably lost a fair bit of money with the whole COVID silicon shortage nonsense. And they probably wanted to rush out the 40 series as quickly as possible to try and recoup that and now they're probably being like yeah now this is the proper 40 series now that is very cynical as i say but corporate world's a crazy place so it could be true i'll be really interested to see what the the vram on these cards actually are i think that at the end of the day that's kind of a large a large part of it and also i mean i know that this day and age with a lot of modern games you want to have quite large VRAM cards to be playing them on ultra settings but I mean the one that I've got at the moment still I, th I think it exceeds what typical games demand by about six gigabytes which is quite considerable so I'm not really sweating about games coming out anytime soon that my PC can't handle so I think for anyone that has bought a 30 or a 40 series this definitely isn't time to rush to the stores or be waiting for this super series to arrive I don't think it's anything like that yeah I know I agree I'm a very proud 3080 owner and uh, this isn't making me want to rush out and go get a new 40 series just off the bat i'll probably wait for the 50 series maybe even the 60 series to be perfectly honest with you given the rate that they're bringing these things out the 50 series in my mind is like maybe two years away at most Next and there week. is <laughs> yeah 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 that's what i mean there is no way that a game is coming out that is going to demand that you upgrade your graphics card for a long long time and i think doing so would just be unnecessary really in in the plainest terms i think that consoles are kind of restricting a lot of games in terms of what they can achieve they're not going to release a game that can't run on consoles a lot of people have only just got their hands on the ps5 or the xbox series is X, even though they have been out for a few years now. So I think that, yeah, I think that absolutely no reason to rush out and look at these anytime soon. No, but if anyone out there is still rocking a 10 series or a 20 series, might be interesting news. Well, wait till Nvidia actually announce it properly, but yeah, food for thought at least. And with our final news story today, we're going back to Call of Duty, guys. Oh, right. I wasn't expecting this. Some interesting news came out this week that Call of Duty is set to drop console exclusive bonuses. So on the 13th of October, the acquisition of Activision Blizzard by Microsoft was finalised, much to the chagrin of Jim Ryan. Oh yeah, the bitch! And are now in control of the Call of Duty franchise amongst others. But as we have reported in past shows, there was concern amongst some of the player base that the acquisition could lead to some COD players being excluded, if Microsoft went down the console exclusive route for example, despite Microsoft's repeated insistence this wouldn't happen. In the latest episode of the official Xbox podcast, Phil Spencer himself addressed these concerns, saying, For Call of Duty players on PlayStation and in the future Nintendo, I want you to feel 100% a part of the community. I don't want you to feel like there's any content you're missing out on. Skins you're missing out on. There's timing that you're missing out on. That's not the goal. The goal is 100% parity across all platforms as much as we can for launch and content. I say as much as we can on parity because clearly some platforms have resolutions and frame rate differences. <laughs> Switch. <laughs> yeah, <it> Switch. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's an awful cough you got there, mate. Oh, and uh, just based on performance, but there's nothing else. We have no goal of somehow trying to use Call of Duty to get you to buy an Xbox console. I want the Call of Duty Nation to feel supported across all platforms. The Call of Duty Nation. I like it. Now, Big Phil's saying all the right things, right? Now, this could be a thinly veiled dig at PlayStation here, right? Because they've used exclusive skins and things of that nature in the past, probably to try to get people to buy the PlayStation. But equally, it could just be Xbox trying to show that they will be inclusive custodians of one of the largest franchises in the world. What do you think of this, man? I, I think it's a good move, this. I think it's a sensible move. Honestly, I, I think the Xbox would get a lot of negative PR if they were to buy up one of the largest franchises in the world, as you said there, and then start focusing and prioritizing Xbox content in order to encourage people to buy Xbox. I think that would be just a very um, dodgy marketing tactic. It's something that would go against everything that Phil Spencer has said before during this whole acquisition as well. So this is both expected and uh, and, and good news for everyone, obviously. I don't know whether it's a, a, a veiled dig at PlayStation, although I know that they aren't unused to trading blows in these sort of open public venues but i think this is very interesting and and considering jim ryan's constant arguments against the microsoft acquisition um there has been such a historic playstation focus on having some sort of exclusivity whether that's in the forms of skins or early access 
or anything like that. So yeah, it's if anything, it's it's less of a an Xbox gaining something, and it's more it's a taking away from PlayStation. <laughs> um, because now they're in control of it, there will be parity across all, which is only a good thing. I I do like the fact that if anything, this is definitely more of a dig at the Switch. It's it's not 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 intentional dig. It's a very pragmatic dig, if you know what I mean. It's, it's something that had to be said though. When we reported at the time that Phil Spencer was saying we want parity across all platforms, we raised the point: How the f are they going to do COD properly on the Switch? It's it's nice that he's now saying we know we know that's probably not realistic too we're going to do our best respect yeah. i like it yeah i mean there's a, there's a bit of ass covering there as well if he was just going to go on like a like a peter molyneux type or someone like that and he was just preaching that everyone call of duty for all content parity it just it wouldn't wouldn't go down it'll run on your nokia like it runs on the ps5 <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah exactly and then before you know it you've got like another mortal Kombat situation where they've just chunked it out on the switch and it's not really parity it's not really parity even now sort of thing just by virtue of the hardware and with that, we come to the end of the news for this week. So now I think it's time we move on to the... A Games Challenge! So it was my challenge this week. Scores locked at three all, a chance to get back ahead. And the challenge that Will gave me was to beat him on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. The rule set was that Will had to use his me character, which was a swordsman, basically, yep. in a best of three contest, with each round being three stocks per round. It was going to be a flat arena, no items, pure 1v1. Mano with mano. No complications, no ultimate star moves or any of that bullshit. Not even any platforms to jump on and like have some verticality. It was literally a flat arena, two people duking it out for the glory. <laughs> uh, even though there was really nothing at stake for Will. Like for me, there was a point on the line for Will bragging rights slash keeping me locked on three points. Well, yeah, I mean, that was that was my stakes for this was, yeah, was if I didn't uh, win this, I had the potential to give you an easy win and an easy point sort of thing. So I guess it's time to talk about how we got on. As James mentioned earlier there, uh, my character that I chose was locked in as my me sword fighter character dressed in a very fancy pirate captain ensemble armed with a cutlass type weapon. I've had a pretty pre-programmed move set in there involved with these characters. I, I kind of just took a lot of the moves from various Smash characters that I liked and kind of combined them into a, a, a storm of fuckery as part of that character. Yeah, I was getting like huge Roy vibes from your character. He has a decent amount of rage, but he's also got some Ganondorf moves in there. He's got some Link moves in there. Um, yeah, he's got a pretty varied move set and a lot of powerful moves, that's for sure. James, what about you? What was your preparation for this week? Did you muck around with any characters? I know you'd mentioned some characters that you'd previously tried, like uh, Captain Falcon. Did you get into any of that this week? So full disclosure, as I kind of mentioned at the start of the show, uh, I haven't really played much this week. And that unfortunately did include the challenge. Uh, all in all, I probably put in about half an hour, 40 minutes into Smash before we played, uh, which is... Far from ideal preparation. <laughs> far, far from ideal. I was absolutely intending for you to get a lot more time than that, that's for sure. As was I, but unfortunately life happens and sometimes you can't avoid these things. But uh, I did play with a couple of characters, um, but I ultimately made my choice quite quickly and sort of stuck with that. So I did do a round with Captain Falcon just to see how I felt with that. And it was fine, but it just wasn't quite clicking like, for whatever reason. And... Actually, straight after that, I went to the character that I ended up using for the fight, which is I went to Kirby. Right, okay, okay. And the reason that I picked Kirby was because I remember from playing on the Nintendo 64 version and from the limited Smash Ultimate that I've played in the past that he has a very good basic moveset in terms of his punches and kicks. His up A's, his down A's, his side A's, they're all very good. And his down and up specials are also incredibly good as well if you time them correctly and that is crucial yeah if you don't time them correctly then they're huge window to be attacked the only thing that was a bit of a shame is that his sucky move isn't particularly great against humans it's great against the computer but unless you're going to do the whole dive bomb tactic where i suck you in on the edge and then jump off the edge and take the one stock each sort of thing it's not really a viable thing it's much more viable if you can do it in the middle of the air that's the time to pull that move out exactly um and the one new addition from his moveset from the original smash on nintendo 64 obviously because there'll be additions is um he now has a hammer hit which i think is uh king dedede's hammer yes i think so yeah which is useful because i got a lot of use out of falcon punch back in the day which again 
if you time it well, it's a one-shot, basically. But if you don't, you're fucked. And uh, for anyone that cares, I used the um, the dark Kirby with the yellow eyes. Shadow Kirby, purple with yellow eyes. Very cool. Uh, I did almost use the light blue Kirby as an homage to the original Nintendo 64 Smash, because that's the one I used, the light right, blue Kirby okay. with, the, with the blue booties. But yeah, I, I probably did no more than 10 little practice rounds against the computer with Kirby just in a first like three stocks one round type jobby I ended up unlocking like three new characters which oh, yeah. was a, good which is a surprise to me because I thought I'd unlock most of them but yeah I got um the dog from Animal Crossing don't know her name I got I got Wario which I thought I had already and uh I got someone else who clearly didn't make any impression on me at all because I've forgotten it already <laughs> <laughs> and it was only earlier on today at the time of recording, so that says a lot. But that was basically, that was my practice. I, I played literally before the pod. I mean, it's, it's poor form on my part, but again, that's just the week I had, unfortunately. So we started up this match right before the pod, and I've got to say, when I saw Kirby appear, because you don't get to see who your person's picked up until they're both in the arena, on the, the battle arena, uh, before the game starts, the moment I saw Kirby, I thought, right, okay, I'm in for a bit of a challenge here, Mostly due to the fact that Kirby has a lot of staying power. Um, and yeah. for people that don't know, Smash isn't your traditional fighter game where you just deplete someone's health bar through a series of moves. This is a game where you knock someone around until their percentage is high enough that they become very easy to knock away. Yeah, so it's building up damage rather than chipping away the health bar, basically. Yeah, exactly. And the higher that damage is, the more you are susceptible to being knocked off the screen, which is the ultimate goal in the game. Each of your free lives, because we set free lives per match in this game, get depleted every time your character gets knocked completely off of the screen yeah and the reason will says that kirby has a lot of staying power is because a lot of people can just do a double jump and then have an up special which can sometimes give them more verticality kirby is one of the characters in the game because there are others that he kind of can do five little flight jumps if you like basically means that you can if you get knocked right to the edge of the screen but don't actually go off you can almost certainly get back every single time and his up special gives enough verticality and sideways movement if you aim it correctly that it's just very hard to knock him off in sort of traditional means especially if you're going for a knocking them left to to the right of the screen because those are traditionally unless you're right up against the edge of one of those sides those are typically the harder places to knock someone off yeah and to be fair your worries in round one were pretty well founded because the first couple of stocks were probably us feeling each other out getting the score of you know seeing what moves we use and seeing what going on i think that um you got the first kill i got the second kill you got the third kill i got the fourth kill the fourth kill though i will say i think it was uh did you get two kills but one of those was me falling off the ledge i think one was i knocked you off and you tried to come back with an up special and it didn't quite work yes no so what i'll say is it was a error on my part because i pulled out the up special at the wrong time at that point, I became very nervous. I was like, all right, okay, this is this is actually kind of close now. I think at that point, we were both on one stock. Yeah, that was one stock remaining, yes. And uh, we both got to a relatively decent percentage. It was still quite back and forth. But uh, unfortunately for me, Will was able to take victory in the first round. 3-2. But it was close enough. And considering I barely played, I, I was quite pleased with that. Yeah, I was ready to go at that point. I was pretty happy. 3-2. But I was, uh, yes, I was... I was perhaps feeling less confident than I had going into this, especially because James revealed to me before we started playing that he had had very little time to practice. Getting my excuses in early, right? <laughs> yeah. You didn't even win. I only played for 30 minutes. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I jokingly said I was getting that. That would be my only excuse. And it is. The rest of it's all a skill gap. But no, the 3-2 close match. And, it, and, you know, I think it's fair to say it was a pretty close fight the whole way through. I don't think there was any point where one of us was getting too far ahead and the other one had to pull one out the bag to get a stop back. It was, it was pretty close. It was pretty yeah. close. The percentages were pretty equal throughout. Good times. We went straight into round two. This one wasn't quite so close. <laughs> no. No. This this one, uh, I think Will had his timing in. He, he saw what I was doing and was uh, countering it more effectively. I was punishing a lot in, in round two, that's for sure. And and coupled with that, there were... Uh, and this isn't, again, this isn't me like making any excuses. There were a couple of times where I missed shots that had I got them, it might have been quite effective. Yeah. Yeah. Poor play on my part, that's the reason. It's all just timing and spacing, isn't it? Exactly, it really is. Because there were a lot of moments in both the fights, really, where, like, I'd miss a move, Will would jump out of the way, Will would go for his counter, I'd jump out of the way. It's a dance, a lot of the time. It really is a dance. But in the second round, uh, Will quickly took two stocks off me. And I think more so out of an accumulation of the fact that it's a three-stock each fight, I got one back. I think at that point, I was around 150%. So I think if you sneezed on me, I'd have flown off the screen at that exactly. point. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, like, that was 
was the, the accumulated damage of the two first stocks that I had lost. I was able to... Because as I say, I was still hitting him. It wasn't like I wasn't getting offense off. Yeah. It's no. just... It's just Will was his class came out in this fight. I've got to say he was just moving much better. He had counters for me this time. Knew what I was doing more. I was doing some ledge guarding as well. I noticed you were doing more ledge guarding in the second round as well, though. Yeah, no, and uh, neither of us were particularly effective at it, which was good no. for our defensive <laughs> modes, I guess. But uh, but yeah, I, I got this one lucky. Uh, I don't want to call it a lucky stock, but it, it kind of was a lucky stock. I think if uh, Will had been on fifty percent, I probably would have got whitewashed. Thankfully, I didn't. Got my stock, but Will then comfortably tore it up and. <laughs> was able to beat me 3-1 in the second round so uh, very very short uh, update for this one uh, I did unfortunately therefore fail the challenge Aww. round 3 was not needed unfortunately I'd have liked to have seen a round 3 but uh, yeah a best of 3 it kind of becomes a mute point um, so big congratulations to Will commiserations to you James uh, yeah well thank you that's very kind um, but uh, I knew you were a better fighter game player than I am better smash player than I am so it was a shame that I couldn't put more hours in to get a bit more practice because I think with a bit more practice I would have been a bit more competitive for sure but hey that's how the cookie crumbles I'm gonna take it on the chin the better man won today and James I think it's probably about time that we find out what you've got in store for me this week yes it certainly is uh, with my tail between my legs <laughs> the chance for Will to go ahead for the first time in this series is upon us so Will for your challenge this week I would like you to play Pokemon Legends Arceus. Ooh, okay. However, in a similar vein to the Minecraft challenge you gave me, this is not a completion challenge. This isn't a get to a certain point in the game challenge. My friend, you're going to be shiny hunting this week. Oh, wow. Okay. So a challenge in its entirety is I would like you to collect and catch two unique shiny Pokemon. Okay. The only other rule other than that is the Ponyta that you catch that's part of the quest line when it teaches you about shinies doesn't count. Fine, okay. Now, any fans of the Pokemon series, particularly the old games, might be like, dude, what the f*** are you doing? The chances of that is like one in tens of thousands for a shiny. What the hell? Yeah, this is what I'm a little worried about, because traditionally that's what I'm aware of, the rarity of shinies being. Yes, well, I'm pleased to inform you that since about Generation 6, I want to say... So ages ago, like years ago. Um, the chance is now more like 1 in 4,100, which still sounds bad. Yes. But when I break out the fact that on Pokemon Legends Arceus, right, Arceus, the maps contain about 200 Pokemon each, right? Yeah. You can reset the seed by resting at any point. You don't have to, like, go around and look for sh in the grass and hit and hope you can see on the overworld when it's a shiny or not okay. and when you kill things in the overworld or catch things in the overworld there is a queue in the background that after a number of minutes not long at all i've done the research will queue up the next set of pokemon to regen in this also happens when the night and day cycle changes so there's plenty of refreshes you can do. This is also, I'm just going to add, it's going to be tougher for me because a lot of the time I don't know what the Pokemon look like as their normal <laughs> version. So there is a chance that in this challenge, I'm going to need to like research what the shine is for the Pokemon look like. Otherwise I could miss one. So I'm going to say this to you. That is absolutely, well, I'm not going to say it's absolutely not going to be an issue. That definitely shouldn't be an issue because as you'll know from playing the game, the Pokemon all hang in clusters, right? So yeah, if you've got, typically. So if yeah. you've got a bunch of Geodude, right? Big grey rock things. The shiny Geodude is bright yellow. You're not going to f***ing miss it. Yeah, yeah. Now, there are some, I'll give you, that are hard. Like Pikachu's shiny is he's orange instead of yellow, I think. Okay, okay. So that one's... Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. But most of them are fine. Like Psyduck is a yellow dark. His shiny's blue. Like, it, it, it's quite obvious. And the other thing that will make this challenge a lot less of a grind is that there is a mechanic in the game that I'm sure you're aware of. I forget exactly what it's called. Called. but basically it's like where you get an i think it's called an outbreak of pokemon you'll get a little disc on your map saying there's a ponyta outbreak over here and if you go there there's going to be way more ponyta than there would be normally with a higher chance for shinies as well okay so it sounds like the chances aren't there but with all of that and internet knowledge being what it is it suggests that in theory you could get a shiny every hour if you really put your mind to it okay and, and from my own personal experience i wasn't even trying and i've have like six fine okay oh had i should say because i've now started again so i think i've got like two now 
I did a lot of research into this because of how much I made you do on Rise, <laughs> so I, I really don't think I've been too harsh here. I'm happy to be proven wrong, and, and if I am incorrect again, then we will look at a bullshit clause type situation. I'm, I have factored that into my thinking, but I, I think this is reasonable. We will see, man. I accept your challenge, and uh, I'll certainly do my best. Yes, and... Uh, Hey, chance for you to get your nose in front. What more inspiration do you want than that? <laughs> and with that, we come to the end of the show. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to, you can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under Twitch twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. Okay, Donny, we're done for another week. Thanks for your help, and I'll see you later for uh, the reverse manicure session. Reverse manicure session? That doesn't sound good at all. Come on, man. Let's wrap this up. Donny's a really impatient guy. All right, man, you got it, you got it. So one more humble request to our dear listeners. Uh, please do check out those social medias. Drop us a like, drop us a follow, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. And it really is the best way to support the channel. So we'd really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. It really does make all the difference and it puts a light on our weeks. And with that said, come in, Donnie. Oh, well, and uh, well, Will's left us there. I hope he enjoys his reverse manicure session. Uh, so from both of us at Total Pod Mode, we'll see you next week. Goodbye now.